cannot believe you just said that. Okay, last game, he was throwing nothing but straight piss missiles. Is this the dagger? That's why he has to be the greatest. He's not, dude. He's not. You think he's in danger of losing his spot? He is the danger, man. Welcome into the Lace Em Up podcast. I am your host, Landon Pats. I am joined by my established colleague, Ty Gensler. How are you today, Ty? I'm doing great. How are you? Pretty good. It's great. A lot of things going on. You know, we had college football last week. We talked about running backs. And now the NFL is officially back in action. Oh, I can't tell you how happy I was yesterday. We had class yesterday. I don't think we talked about class a single time. No, not at all. Landon, I'm sorry if you hear this, but we didn't talk about that at all. Mr. Green, our our bad on that one. We were definitely not paying attention. We were looking at NFL bets. Anywho, welcome into the podcast. Just want to say thank you again for listening. If you are with us, we are on Spotify and on Apple Music on our own, as well as on the Ocast, if you would like to find us through there, through Ocali TV. For our first segment here today, we are going to be recapping some of the the game of last night, the Lions upsetting the Chiefs in Arrowhead on banner-raising night. That is always a win when the Lions win. (laughs) I agree with that one. We have a few key matchup games of the week. We have a little bit of a look into some of the modern medicine, man. Some of these people that are coming back from these injuries are just insane. We're going to look a little bit more into college football this week, some of the bigger upsets and some of the plays that we saw from around the week, some of the big news going on around inside college football and in the NFL. And then we got a small segment called Studs and Duds, where we're going to look at some of our best players that played this week and some that uh, some that didn't show up as much. I, I think those are going to be a lot of teams with yeah. specific players to them. Got a game of the week in there, a couple of them that we're looking at, right? And then our second segment, we're going to be looking at debating what who is going to win the divisions in the NFL. I think we're going to have some disagreements on these. I think we're going to have to, you know... Decide who's right. Obviously, it's going to be me, but we're going to we'll, we'll get say to that. about that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that point. Mm-hmm. Anyways, moving back, the NFL is back. Mm-hmm. We have Thursday night football for the first time with actual real played players on the field. It's been a busy week, so I'm so glad. Like these past few days, and then going into tomorrow, we're actually going to be able to sit and talk about it and just relax because boy, it's been busy. Absolutely, I think I'm looking forward to it all week through all of the things that we've been working on. Some of the things that we kind of had in here. Jawan Taylor is an interesting new tackle to them. I think really is. He played for the Buccaneers, and now he's having to defend Patrick Mahomes, and he looked like he was lining up in the slot receiver position. Yeah, he. There was a lot of plays that people wanted him called for offsides mm-hmm. early because he was jumping so quick. I think he was timed up well enough that they couldn't see it. Part of that is that really hard is that when people start slowing it down to the millisecond. Dude. Yes, of course it looks pretty obvious at that point. If you watch it in real time, like any ref has to, it's a hard. It's a really hard call to make. I don't know if he was nervous or what. He just seemed very twitchy on his like right leg going into it. I know most yeah. some tackles do that, but he I don't think I've ever seen that from him. Yeah, I don't know. He he looked a little off. Um, the Chiefs as a whole looked very off, losing twenty one to twenty to the upstart Detroit Lions. What do you think about Dan Campbell, man? I there Dan, were some calls in this game that were just so interesting to me, but it was so on par with Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell's the man. He is a ballsy coach. He makes some impactful plays. That fake punt inside your own 20 in the first quarter is probably something you see on Madden. But I'm so glad we see more coaches kind of like him that kind of break the stigma of like the old-fashioned, like you got to punt, you got to do this. 
No, man, just like mix it up a little bit and then get uh, get the defense now ready for it. Absolutely. I think there was some certain calls in there that as a fan you question and you watch, but if you've practiced that enough, if you know what you're doing on those, it's a it's yeah. a really smart play call. That fourth down that they converted inside their own, basically their own red zone, and kept the drive alive enough to go down his field and score to a Monroe, that's a massive turning point. Yeah. Because if you give the ball back to Mahomes there, and that's going to be pretty decent field position, he's not going to punt it all the way down to their own 20, there's a decent chance they score, you start getting into bigger leads, you have bigger issues. But the thing that I think the Lions did the absolute best in this game is they hung around. That. They never were truly out of this game, especially with the Chiefs. And I get they were missing Travis Kelsey, mm-hmm. and I get we're going to get into a little bit of their offensive struggles. But with the Kansas City Chiefs, not being down by multiple scores at any point in this game is an unbelievable feat. And that's what kept them in it to win the game. Absolutely. And unironically, because I know we talked about this last week, they also dominated the running game. Absolutely. A lot. Yeah, Devon, uh, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs holding it down, which Jameer Gibbs looked pretty good. He did look really good. I thought they were going to utilize him a little more, but, I mean, he still looked like he can be one of the best rookies going into this uh, year. It's a real shame. He uh, He's on my fantasy team. He just didn't get that touchdown. There was two of them, actually, that he was, like, right at the doorstep, and he tripped and forgot he's no longer playing college football. Which I, I, I will take it, considering I'm playing against you in week one. It's unbelievable. We'll definitely <laughs> talk about that next week on uh, who won that one for sure. Definitely. Some of the other things, man, that defensive line, I I thought the line for the Chiefs, the defensive line, excuse me, played pretty well they under did. the circumstances. I think, obviously, missing Chris Jones is a massive hole. We just talked about how the Lions were able to run the ball pretty well and get decent yardage per game. Like They need Chris Jones to defend that defense, and it, it's going to be kind of interesting when they start moving all these pieces around Mahomes. This is what every team is hoping they can do with their star quarterback. Definitely. Can we just put in all of these, I don't want to say ragtag, they're NFL players, but players that don't have experience, players that don't have the name recognition, and they can just go play and ball out. And I think the Chiefs are kind of getting to a point this year where they're realizing we might need to fill some actual real mm-hmm. talent around him because without Kelsey in that offense, it was a rough, night. It kind of reminded me of Tom Brady's offense when you have like star receivers of like Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, and Danny Amendola. Just three receivers that wouldn't be the wide receiver one, but they all simultaneously like help that offense together. I also think they were just such a well-disciplined, well-coached team that you weren't ever going to have some of the issues like we saw last night. Yeah. Some of the guys that they're had, the difference in that is that the guys that were stepping up for the Patriots were professionals, guys that have been doing this forever, guys that were smart, understood routes, understood NFL concepts, right? Mm-hmm. And what's hard right now for Mahomes is that he's basically having to teach his receiving core how to play NFL offense. Right. Sky Moore, second-year receiver who – remind me where he went. He went to Western Michigan. He was not at a big school. I believe it was Western Michigan. Yeah, he was not at Something a big school. Lines. So he's having to learn to play – real NFL football for the first time on a big stage. You got Rasheed Rice at SMU. He's never played in an NFL level game before. You have Noah Gray who played all the last year, I'll give you that, but he was yeah. the backup to Travis Kelsey. That's a pretty decent spot to be. And how about Blake Bell? Yeah. I mean, I mean, there was a lot of guys in there that you just don't know and are really young and really unexperienced, and it showed. Yeah. Blake Bell was like one of the big highlights from the Chiefs offense. Now, back to the Chiefs defense line. They had a, lot, they had a good amount of pressures on Jared Goff. And we saw, you know, the clip of Chris Jones with the two phones, like just holding out, watching it. Does this hurt Chris Jones's contract, knowing that they're able to get the pressure going? I mean, I think this is a lot easier conversation to say yes if they won the game, right? right. Like this is 
with how the Chiefs' defensive line played, if they had won that game, I think you kind of go to Chris and you have a little bit more confidence into it, but you lost. And so at that point, you're looking for any edge you could have gained. And me saying Chris Jones not being out there is not impactful enough to help them win this game mm-hmm. is just not true. Like, we yeah. both know how good a player Chris Jones is. So if he's not out there, you need to find a guy that can play up to that level, even if your defensive line across the board is playing well. Which, I mean, I thought Chief, the Chiefs' defense played well, considering, like they said, like throughout the whole game, these are rookies and second years going into it. Absolutely, I think it was. It's a it's a really interesting game and a really different construct of teams because you have the Lions, who yes, they're paying Jared Goff a lot of money, but they put a lot of draft capital and a lot of good players around him. Chauncey Gardner Johnson last night was a really good player. C.J. Gardner Johnson, excuse me. Aiden Hutchinson looked unbelievable for most of the game. You have guys like Jameer Gibbs, Jamison Williams obviously didn't play last night, but Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, they're just bringing in more and more pieces around Goff. And instead of saying we need the quarterback and we'll figure out everything else, they're going to figure out everything else and then we'll stabilize our quarterback room. Mm-hmm. It's not just that. They're also just they're buying into the uh, concept that Dan Campbell's trying to bring in. The culture it has, we all know because we, we've seen how the Lions have been the past few years, this is a whole different team. Absolutely. The, the Lions teams of old would have given in so much faster, so much sooner. It would have been a, less of a game so fast. Mm-hmm. I'm really impressed with Dan Daniels' first performance in this year. Yeah. Going into the Chris Jones contract, which we're still holding out, how about Nick Bosa getting the biggest contract extension in the defensive history, and he's getting Five paid the Five years, $170 million. For the 49ers, who have already been in cap space trouble yeah there's there's a time and place that they're gonna have to pay for all these guys they have a a really talented roster and that's kind of the way that this this league works is you just you keep adding on to whoever had the last contract yeah yeah that is true uh friggin we'll see just how that goes i mean nick bosa is obviously a phenomenal player but i mean he went from the average i believe the average edge was 18 mil a year and he just skyrocketed so that's going to be a big push going into new edge rushers coming in the league We'll see how that goes, I guess. I fear for Dallas Cowboys fans. Who are Mike, that, that, that Micah, Micah Parsons contract. That Micah Parsons contract is going to be something special. Yeah. And we want to talk about the other big contract that was handed up? Joey B. That is, he's now officially the highest paid player in NFL history, which that is, it is a five-year, $275 million contract, $55 million guaranteed, I believe. Big one. I want to play a little game with you here because – believe it was the year, I think, when did Mahomes signed that 10-year contract? I want to say it was 2018 or 2019. 2019 we thought at that time that was just an absurd contract. 10 years, $450 million. But I'm going to list you some names. I'm going to see, would you rather have these guys than Patrick Mahomes? So we're going to start from the bottom that are kind of like in that range. For context, as a, on context on this, I believe you mean, would I rather have them for the contract, correct? Right. Not rather yes. than the player, Patrick. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, that's what just I Just so we're clarifying. That's my bad. So here is people that are under, but a little close to that. So you have Josh Allen at 43 mil. Yes. Dak Prescott at 40 mil. No. Matthew Stafford at 40 mil. No. Daniel Jones at 40 mil. Absolutely not. And the last one below him that it's actually last two that are below him that are kind of in that range. You have Derek Carr at 37 mil. No. And then Aaron Rodgers at 37 mil. Short term, yes. Short term, yes. And these are the players that are getting paid technically more than Patrick Mahomes. So you have Deshaun Watson at 46 mil. No. Kyler Murray at 46 mil. No. Your boy Russell Wilson at 48 mil. I could, no, don't ever say my boy again and Russell Wilson, no. Your quarterback. Yeah, my quarterback. <laughs> Your quarterback. Go. You have uh, Jalen Hurts at 51 mil. Yes. I would pay Jalen Hurts that. Lamar Jackson at 52 mil. 
No. Justin Herbert at 52 mil. Yes. And the big one, Joe Burrow at 55. Yes. Okay. There, I mean, that just shows you how much money some of these quarterbacks are making for, again, good quarterbacks. Derek Carr, good quarterback. I would not pay I him wouldn't pay him that either. That's that's wild to me. The Mahomes contract has been passed way over at this point, which is really wild. You think that if you really look into it, he's like like throughout the whole year, he's like taking more pay cuts going mm-hmm. into that. So that's just that's a wild thing because we thought that was an absurd contract and it was going to eat them up, but really it's helping them. There were so many ESPN graphics for that. Do you remember the one that was telling us how many he got paid per second, per minute, mm-hmm. per hour, per yeah. day? I just wish I could make how much he was making in a day in one one lifetime. That'd be cool. Speaking of graphics, that. Uh, Last night's game, I was so pleased with how the graphics look because they're like, uh, you know how like they do like the transition like information ones. And it's like the mm-hmm. most random cartoon. Like you would have never thought of that. Absolutely. That one was actually a lot better than Absolutely. most I've seen. I agree. Some of those get really out there. I think they try to go with the theme of wherever they're at. Mm-hmm. And I mean, sometimes it's good. Sometimes I mean, I've seen so many desert scenes, mm-hmm. animated desert scenes when the Cardinals are playing. It's not even funny. Or the Broncos, you get plenty of people on horseback. I think they could shake it up a little bit. I like that one for sure. Yeah, I remember the Patriots when they had Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. There were so many goat references. It was, ah, it uh, was absurd. It, no disrespect. It just looked like a 12-year-old made that. And I was like, what are we thinking here, man? Absolutely. Moving on, luckily for everybody here who's listening, there is still plenty of games to play this weekend. We have That's a couple scary. of marquee matchups that we're looking forward to. In the NFL, first off, what we're looking at is the 49ers and Steelers. It's a 12 p.m. kickoff here. The 49ers right now are a minus two and a half favorite. What do you think? I mean, I love me, I love me some 49ers, but I have been really impressed. I've kind of been, I've kind of put myself in the Kenny Pickett train. I've liked how they looked in the. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> I've liked, I liked how he looked in Pittsburgh. Uh, going into it, I think this second year is going to be a big leap, especially with George Pickens right there with them. And that defense, obviously, with Minka Fitzpatrick. I think this is going to be a really good game. I think it's going to be a really good defensive game. I I am not as fully on the Kenny Pickett train yet. I've, I've dipped my toes in the water. Is this at San Francisco or in Pittsburgh? This is at Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. that's the, Pittsburgh's one of the hardest places. It is a hard place to play, especially for a West Coast team traveling east. Correct. I... Again, I'm dipping my toes in the Kenny Pickett waters. I'm not fully there on him yet. His last year was very, very unproductive for me to just say he's been really good in preseason. I can now let him. I will be say the guy. his first half of his rookie year was horrendous, but Correct. second half, whole lot better. He got a lot better throughout the season. He's getting better over time. Again, dipping my foot in the water. I'm not there yet, but I'll jump in the pool here soon if he's good. I'm not there yet. Um, for me personally, what I think is going to be the massive difference here is the 49ers' offense. I think those two defenses are going to be really hard to score on each other. Right, mm-hmm. and you're going to have two offenses that are going to be a really tough spot. But I just think that the talent of the Niners is going to take over at some point. And I'll be really curious to see how this game is coached because I think it's going to be a really well coached game. Mike Tomlin and Kyle Shanahan are really good at their respective sides of the ball, and they get to go at it this week. That's one of my favorite things I'm going to be watching this week. Especially since you finally have a set quarterback for the 49ers. Absolutely. It's Brock Purdy. It's going to be Brock Purdy. Let's hope he does well and stays healthy. Let's hope he does. Next big game of the week, we are looking at the Dolphins at the Chargers. Tua versus Herbert. Tua versus Justin Herbert. There's a couple things about this game. Number one, I believe that this is the longest road trip of the weekend for any team going from Miami to L.A. I wouldn't be surprised. The Los Angeles Chargers are a minus three favorite. So basically Vegas is saying this game is pretty even Mm because they get the three-point spread because they're at home. So they're saying this game is is pretty well even. 
I am going to be really curious to see who wins this game. This is a pretty big statement game for this early on in the season. For both teams. Absolutely. Is Tua in this offense a real a real thing, or was last year kind of a figment? And is Brandon Staley going to be able to outcoach teams? Because the, both of these teams are unbelievably talented. Both of these teams have a chance to win their divisions, especially with what we saw last night from the Chiefs. It's just a matter of you got to go do it now. I and both like. have extremely bad luck. Absolutely. I think that's what we've been saying about the Chargers for years. The Chargers are going to charge it. They're going to screw this up some way. The 27 to nothing loss to the Jags in the playoffs, or the 27 to nothing lead blown to the Chargers or Jags in the playoffs, is something that's hard to come back from. Can you do that week one? Or is he going to lose the locker room right away? Because you got to imagine, a lot of those dudes in the locker room are having a harder time buying in every year. A lot of those dudes are having a harder time showing up to work every day for Brandon Staley and saying, this is going to work, this is going to be how good we are, after you've seen multiple playoff collapses at this point. And things like starting your your starting receivers in a Week 17 game that doesn't matter. like Little things like that are going to start turning the locker room on him, so he needs to win early. He needs to win early and win often. Finally, our last big game of this weekend that we are specifically looking at, the Bills at the Jets, Monday Night Football. We got Aaron Rodgers' first game in the green. It is at home for them. It is, let me make sure I get the line correctly here. It is a Bills are minus two and a half favorite going to New York. I think, especially like with these old quarterbacks going into the first game, it usually is a very sloppy game going into it sometimes. So I believe I have Buffalo on this edge. But I wouldn't be surprised if New York during the season ends up unironically turning the table and uh, making the playoffs and all that. Yeah, good reference back to the young Aaron Rodgers. I think we're going to turn the table here. I think we're going to turn the tables here. Um, The thing that I will say about this, if I am the Jets, this is a must-win game. I believe so, For a couple of reasons. Number one, it's in division, and it's against the team that has won the division the last multiple years. Number two, their schedule is so difficult weeks one through eight. Mm-hmm. I'm going to look this up real quick and just read you off the teams that they're going to play this year to start their season. They are at home for the Bills. They go to Dallas to play the Cowboys. They are at home for the Patriots. They are at home for the Chiefs. They go to Denver. They go to. They have the Eagles come to town. They go to the Giants, so I guess that's technically a home game, and yeah. then they play the Chargers. That is how many playoff teams did I just mention here? I think one team out of all of those did not make the playoffs last year. That's insane. Yeah, that is their first six or seven games. They need this win now so that they can screw up later. Mm-hmm. Because I don't foresee Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs just being a bad offense all year. I don't see the Cowboys rolling over this year. They got better. The Eagles are still a really good team. This is a must-win game for them, I think. I can't agree more with you. Yeah, I hope that they walk into that game thinking so as well. I think it's going to be a really good I'm sure good Aaron Rodgers will. Absolutely. I think he knows whatever. And it's also going to be a very good defensive game. You also you have Tredavis White and Sauce Gardner going up against their two biggest receivers. Absolutely. Uh, I will always love watching Stefan Diggs on Sauce Gardner and Tredavis White on Garrett Wilson. For sure. Those are just going to be fun matchups. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go on your talk about your modern medicine that you were I want to go on a little rant here real quick. I Throughout the last couple of years of the NFL and multiple sports, if we're being honest, it has become more and more of a marvel to me at how quick these athletes are recovering. For perspective, two players this la- this last year, Bryce Hall, Javante Williams. Brees Hall, excuse me. They have two players in the name B. Hall. But Brees Hall, Javante Williams. Both players tore their ACLs after week eight of last year. Both players did. They will both be full participants and playing week one NFL football again. 
if I had told people 10, 15 years ago, I remember the day still when people tore their ACLs and that was it. You were done. I remember Gronkowski tore his ACL and he was one of the first people to ever come back from it and be the same player. And today's games, I have people like Jamal Murray, Zach Levine, bunch of people in the NBA that have come back from it and look just as good, if not better in a lot of ways. It is, we live in such a blessed time for the medicine that we have for these players and these athletes because every time I think about sports, nobody ever thinks about injury. Nobody ever wants to think about injury. Nobody ever wants to bring it up. You start a Madden franchise, you're turning injuries off. It's the first thing you're going to, right? Because you don't want it. It's terrible. It's hard for the game to watch. It's hard for you to enjoy the stars of the game when they're hurt. With the modern medicine moving forward so quickly as it is, I am getting more and more excited for these players to come back and play and be at a higher level, to have higher expectations for them. Before it would be, oh, this running back's coming off an ACL tear. I would give him two years before he's the same guy, right? right. But you have a guy like Saquon Barkley. Comes back one year after throwing ACL. Actually, he had two major injuries in two back-to-back years. Came back and was the comeback player of the year. There are just so many great cases now of players coming back, being better players than they were before. I'm excited to see where it goes in this. Odell Beckham's another great example of this. Let's hope that he's on this list of people that can turn themselves around after an injury like that. But I, I cannot say enough about how different it is compared to even just mid-2000s sports medicine. I think it's more than just sports medicine. I think it's also just the uh, the train of thought of lifting and powerlifting. Because it used to be just, we're just going to ram pack, just lift a shit ton of weights and all that. We're going to do deadlifts. All that. Man, I think now the focus has really just switched to more, not like a crossfit, but like plyometrics is a big key going in there. I think T, uh, Tom Brady with his TV12 method has also really impacted others of how they should eat Absolutely. and all that. And so, again, I agree with you. It is really great to see these running uh, running backs, wide receivers, corners, who do a lot of ins and outs and cuts and coming back from a full ACL tear or even worse and look better like they just didn't spend the rest of their whole year recovering. Absolutely. And that's a really great point to bring up that, that not only modern medicine has helped, but their own training and their own regimens have been majorly improved to help that as well. We good with the NFL? Any final thoughts on there before we move on? Go with the NFL in my book. All righty. Moving down one level. We already got one week of college football, and I could not have been more excited about it. It was a really great time. I have a quick story to share between the two of us that we were walking around. Now, he's laughing right now. I'm not sharing too bad. We're all right. We were walking around before our game. We were down here at Oklahoma Stillwater watching the OSU, or excuse me, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Down here at Oklahoma State watching the Stillwater game this, this last Saturday. We're walking around, enjoying some of the tailgating, enjoying some of the people around there. And I remember so distinctly, there was me, you, and our buddy Kyle. 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 We could not stop finding TVs to watch Coach Prime and the TCU game. It was we, we didn't care about the tailgating. We didn't care about people really talking to us. We were trying to find a way that we could find an angle to look at a TV and watch that TCU-Colorado game because it was that good. It was that impactful. We didn't care how delayed it was. We just wanted to watch the game. We just wanted to see what happened next. And it turns out Colorado is that team at the moment. They're a real team. They're Dion got them boys ready. The thing that I was so impressed with about them is their lack of penalties. They were such a... I think they had two penalties on the whole game. Mm -hmm. They were such a disciplined team from start to finish that beat that DCU team. It was not at all what I expected with a 90% roster turnover. The only thing you really uh, talk somewhat that needs to be improved is that D-line. Absolutely. And I think everybody kind of knew that walking into the season, but they also did a really good job of masking that. Like, they... 
they had issues stopping the run, but it, it didn't come to fruition. It hurt them in the end. And then now this week they're going against Nebraska, which, truth be told, I think this is a bigger test for Coach Prime than too. the TCU game. I do too. I think going into TCU, like, yeah, you know it's Colorado, but you don't know what Coach Prime is bringing in. You don't have anything really to scout on. You don't know what personnel, what kind of formation combos are they going to try and do. And so it's really – you didn't really figure out how to stop them until that second half. This, however, I'm really excited for because you got two new coaches, two new situations. Both have pretty much damn near made documentaries for both teams because they're trying to change the program. This is going to be a hell of a game. It is. There's so much behind it and so much – the transfer portal stuff behind this game that it should be super interesting. One fun thing, did you see the stat that this Nebraska game for one single ticket will cost you double what it took to get into every home game for ZU last year? Wow. You should have gotten into Folsom Field for all five of their home games for the price of this one Nebraska game. I mean, it's a big game. It is a big game. I mean, you're from Colorado, so you know the the intel of how big Nebraska and Colorado is. Absolutely. It has not been a big rivalry for the last few years because they just haven't been able to play. But I had I was blessed enough to play under a guy who played at CU football, and he mm-hmm. talked about that rivalry. And you don't wear red. You just don't. You, just you, don't. you have to take care of your home turf. You have to make sure that you don't give up on Nebraska. It's going to be a good old-fashioned rivalry game, just like a South Carolina-North Carolina where they're going to play each other hard. It's going to be close. There's going to be a lot of chippiness. I'm excited for the game. Now, before we transition uh, out of Colorado, I do have one question for you. With the impact that Coach Prime has brought, do you expect more teams with failed football programs to expect new coaches to be like Prime, or is this just a once in a blue moon, like we're never going to see this again? The difference there, I think, is expectations versus reality. I think we're going to hear a lot of programs say, we need to find our Dion. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear a lot of people say, we need to have our guy that flips our program, our, our Deion Sanders. And the reality of it is there's one Deion Sanders. Yeah. There is one guy that walks into that household and is prime. And it's going to be really hard to formulate again. And I think Matt Rule in Nebraska is a perfect example of this. Matt Rule tried to do a very similar thing on a little bit slower, smaller of a scale, but he tried a very, very similar thing. Yeah. Massive transfer portal, massive freshman class that they brought in, ton of guys that are playing as a young players. It, it usually doesn't work in college football. This is why a lot of people were picking against Colorado to win week one. So it'll be interesting to see if they can keep it going, number one. And number two, I think you're just not going to be able to find the kind of recruiter and the kind of name of Deion Sanders out there to come become your coach and be as good of a coach as he is. You can bring in a guy like a Magic Johnson or, I mean, of course, different sport, but you get what I'm saying, a big name like that. You could bring in a Peyton Manning if you wanted to. I don't know if they have that same personality, and I don't know if they're as good of a coach as Coach Prime is. It's not like it's just like he just decided he wants He's been doing this with uh, 8 to 11-year-olds and then moved on to Jackson State University, which he gave people in those small schools the chance to play in the NFL and then switched to a 1-9 Colorado. James Houston, starting defensive end for the Detroit Lions last night. And had eight sacks his rookie year. Originally, he was an inside backer, and then he prime moved him to outside edge. He didn't think it was a good fit, and now look at him. Now look at him starting in the NFL. Our next game that we want to move on to, biggest game of the weekend, it was LSU losing to Florida State at Florida State. Now, this game was good for right up until the fourth quarter. Yeah. And then FSU turned it way on. Jordan Travis is a great quarterback in college football. Really is. I... I've been watching this game more and more and seeing more and more bits about it throughout the week, and I, I can't take anything more than just Jordan Travis was the best player in that game. 
His stat line was 23 of 31, 342 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. That interception was kind of his fault, kind of not. His receiver kind of gave up on the route. It looked like it was easy for them. That's what's scary. LSU is a real program with a really good group of players that they brought in. Uh, Brian Kelly brought in another set of transfers that he really liked from there. And that they thought that was their team. They thought that they were going to be good enough to compete in the SEC. And at one point in this game in the fourth quarter, it was 45-17 to 17 FSU. I mean, Brian Kelly, I'm not really a huge fan of because, I mean, if we heard from last week, I'm not the biggest fan of Notre Dame. But, and I would like to apologize to any Florida State fans because I know I did doubt y'all against Louisiana. And I should have not done that because, I don't know, I didn't put two and two together that Brian Kelly was still the man that, in charge of that program. Absolutely. That was a fun game to watch. Though. It was fun. I love seeing teams like Florida State and all of them, like, finally having their chance and moment because... It's just something different that most people don't see. Absolutely. Speaking of different, we're going to talk about Duke football here for a second. Oh, buddy. Dabo Sweeney, what happened to you on Monday was egregious. That was probably one of the worst Clemson games I've seen. It was realized in probably the third quarter that they were going to lose, and you saw the crowd and the room evaporate on that sideline. You could see them seething up. And, I mean, they showed Dabo probably 30 times in that second half, and every time his shoulders are down and he is upset. And it, it's hard for me as a coach or a former coach to look at that and think that your team's going to do anything for you. You only go as far as your leaders, and whether you want to be or not, if you are in a coaching position, you are a leader. Mm-hmm. If you show the weakness and that we're giving up and that this isn't working and that we're done, then your team's done. I mean, it's it's kind of sad to see, but also not that Clemson is kind of going through that path of just of degression and all that. But it's what well, you really love to see is teams like Duke taking over. Absolutely. I have a quick question for you. If let's play a little hypothetical here. Love the hypotheticals. We're gonna look down at Clemson's schedule here for a second. Let's say they're looking at more of a nine and three, eight and four season. Does Dabo keep his job at the end of the year? I think you have to give him a few more years because of Dabo and what he's brought to you. Okay. So, in curiosity and comparison here, all I'm going to say, some I would say some better coaches have been fired for some smaller reasons. That is true. There have been smaller, smaller reasons than that that bigger coaches and better names have lost out. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say they get back to their 10-2 ways and they're the 16th team in the nation. Is everybody at Clemson fine with that now? Has that become the new norm? Or sure. is that... It shouldn't. It should. But how many years now has it been? Three since they've been competing? Yes. Since Trevor Lawrence. So in three years of production, in three years past Trevor Lawrence, they have... Since 21. Since 21. They have missed a bowl game, been mediocre in two years to the point that they were unranked one of the years and ranked, I believe, 15th the other year. I don't know, man. It's I, I feel like Dabo Sweeney's... Now when you put it in that point, yeah. yeah. Dabo Sweeney's seat is getting a little bit warmer, yeah. especially with a week one loss to Duke in that fashion. That was a beatdown. Your offense looked terrible, yeah. especially in the red zone. Mm-hmm. you got to get Cape Clubbing to hold on to that football. Yeah. Now let me put you through a hypothetical here. All right. We're on, the, we're on our way to the studio here. You're going in, we're walking, we're trying to figure out what to talk about. You get a text from your mom, and it says, you suck. <laughs> How would you feel about that? <laughs> Oh, what a great call. If, if you don't know, the Duke quarterback, Riley Leonard, every game he checks his phone and his mom is saying, you suck. I can't imagine. Oh, I would be defeated. I, I can't imagine if I get a text from my mom, which, hi, Bonnie. Um, 
just saying you suck after any situation I'm in. Yeah, mom, if you're listening to this, my ego is not that big. I promise you. Yeah, I don't need same. that text from you. It's okay. Um, so we really talked about all our news from around the league throughout all the players. I'm going to look at some of our studs and duds. We kind of brought yeah. them up earlier. Not really uh, much has happened in the college. Not during the week, really. They had kind of their normal week. I mean, it is week one when everybody's playing some sort of mediocre team. Um, OSU, get your stuff together. I'll just throw that out there Please, real quick. figure out the quarterback situation. Figure out your quarterback, please. Some of our studs of the week, moving on to some of the players of the week. I have to bring up Travis Hunter. You got him. I have to bring up the guy that played 146 snaps in 100-degree weather at T- Texas Christian University and was the best player on both sides of and the And he game. wasn't tired, according to him. No, he was fine. He was dancing after the game in the locker room. That is extreme. That's crazy. It's unheard of. This dude was a unbelievable freak. One of the things that impressed me most about him, he had 10 catches. I don't think any of them were designed easy catches, if you go to no, me. No. If I'm an offensive coordinator, there will be plays where it's like, I'll just run my receiver across the field, a little shovel pass. Patrick Mahomes is great at this all the time, and Andy Reid is too. You get somebody with speed running across the field, you give him a little touch pass, easy catch. Or you run somebody a little bit farther down the field, and you run him right underneath, easy catch, gets him up the field. I don't think he got any of those freebies. Not really. He had to go up for him. He had to go up and get him, or he had to go up in traffic and Wait. find his way. Or He was so good at contested catches on that game. It was unbelievable. That interception he had? Oh, my God. That was... As every corner's dream. And the fact, I think, more than anything, is I like the human. I like how he acts. I like how he holds himself. The fact that he had that interception came right up to Deion Sanders in his face and said, that was my moment. Mm-hmm. That was what I'm going to do. That's why you put me on defense. Dude, I, if I'm anybody on that CU team, I would do any. I would run through a wall for that man because I saw that he gave everything on that game. I remember uh, whenever Colorado was going into their uh, training camp, they there was a lot of... A lot of talks, a lot of people doubting it because there was videos of like Coach Prime where like Travis go in, he gets one rep, gets a good deflection, he's like, all right, he out. He didn't play corner for the rest of the game because they wanted to focus on receiver. People were saying that's not how you work with cornerbacks and that they need reps, repetition, and all that. But we know now that you don't need a full practice for Travis Hunter. Yeah, Travis Hunter is just a little bit different than your average corner. He, I mean, good God, there's, I mean, we were talking about this earlier in the week too. There's a video of him out playing pickup basketball. He's the best athlete on the court. Yeah, he's throwing down 360 windmills. He's catching alley oops above the backboard. He is one of the craziest athletes I think I've ever seen, and I'm so glad that he's on an FPS level now that people are going to say, "Oh, this is real. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's going to be like a top five pick." So, are we going to see him like that in the NFL, or is he going to go st- strictly corner? I don't know. And the question from there is, do you put him strictly receiver? What side of the ball do you want to play him on? Or do you play him both? There's, there's going to be so many questions about him. I think for right now, all I can say is I'm going to be super happy that he's playing both ways at CU. Me too. Because it is so much fun to watch. And that's just something you rarely see. Ever, yeah. The next person on there was the CU Sanders family. I mean, Shadir Sanders. Shadir. 500 yards, four touchdowns, perfect QBR rating. First FBS phenomenal. Game. He looked really good. And then Shiloh on the other side led the CU buffs and tackles and was probably their best run defender throughout the whole game. That's just insane. Yeah, they they had a really great first week for that team. Some of the other guys that we were mentioning earlier that were some studs, Jordan Travis, we mentioned his stat line earlier, he had a one heck of a game. Let me pull up Riley Leonard's stats real quick for Duke. He had a great game as well. I want to make sure that I give him his flowers for it. Riley Leonard, hell of a job going in as a white quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, here's, here's what it looks like. 17 for 33 for 175 passing yards. I tell you that, not great. Nine carries, 88, 98 yards, and one touchdown. Love to see That it. dude, 
you got you got to love a guy who's just going to go out there and fight for your team. Mm-hmm. Um, going back, however, some of the more fun ones, some of the duds. Oh my goodness! Where's the good amount? There was a few of them this weekend. We could have put Oklahoma State, but we could have, but we uh, we don't want to talk about them for a whole heck of a lot of time. Yeah. LSU guys, you got to wake up. You got to have all of that program. What I was talking about before, you had so much hype going into this season. Mm-hmm. You had so many young transfers. You had the number one transfer class, even with CU. Everybody thought you were going to be great, and you got boat raced. You got boat raced. This is how it is. Clemson, uh, another one we've talked about, we've covered pretty well. And then South Carolina. I I expected them to beat North Carolina. I thought they would have. See, I didn't expect them to win it, but I did expect them to keep it close. And I think one of the things that has embodied the Shane Beamer tenure and the Beamer ball era is such inconsistency, dude. It really is. For, even from half to half. I mean, that first half was a good game of football from South Carolina, and they were in that game. And then it just fell apart as they went. And I don't even think it was Spencer Rattler's fault. I think it was just the team didn't look like they were prepared. The mm-hmm. team got outcoached in the second half, and they got boat raced again. And it, it's hard to say because you got to say to yourself, is that guy going to be able to be the guy that wins us 10 games? He hasn't been consistent just yet. He's kind of like the Steve Sarkeesian, which is a perfect segue into our games of the week before college football. Number 22, Old Miss is traveling to number 24, Tulane. I'm hoping for Tulane to pull this off. Me too. I think every FCS school would be a great one. And then the big one of the weekend, we talked about Nebraska-Colorado earlier. The biggest game of the weekend is Texas at number 4, Alabama. Number 11, Texas. That's going to be a good game. It's going to be a real good game. This is the biggest test for Jalen Milrow. This is the biggest test for Quinn Ewers. This is the biggest test for Steve Sarkeesian. Nick Saban's been a little bit farther than that. This ain't his biggest test. Mm-hmm. Steve Sarkeesian needs to win this game for Texas, or they are not getting their 10-win mark, and they will fire him out of there. That is too big of a program to not be a consistent 10-win team. If you look in the last year, Texas should have – if Quinn Ayers stayed that pl- uh, the whole game, Texas probably should have won it. So Quinn Ayers probably going to be pissed off a little bit. But if you're Alabama, you just got to keep doing what you're doing. Jalen Monroe, we found out he was that guy last week against Middle Tennessee. No, it's not the biggest school, but you're the first team in Alabama history to have three passing touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns. Well, there's a lot of potential there with Jalen, and I'm really excited to see what this Bama team does, but I'm also excited for Texas. I am excited to see that game. I will be glued considering to the on that Considering they're going to the SEC. Absolutely. This will be a great test for Texas to see how they're going to compete in the upcoming years. All right, so that does it for our first segment. We are going to take a quick break here. I do want to say once again, thank you guys so much for listening. You can find us on Spotify under the Lace Mo Podcast, or if you want to go to the Ocast, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, any one of those various locations. And we will be right back. Welcome back. We are in our second segment now. Yeah, we are. Vision predictions for this upcoming NFL season. So, I know there's a method to my madness. This is going to jump around a lot, and it's going to seem weird. For our predictions here, I ranked these in order of what I thought would be some of the more interesting divisions at the bottom and the less interesting divisions at the top on who we kind of thought would be good and not. They go by AFC West. We're going to start there. We're going to start and go ahead and look at the teams that are there and some of the things that we're looking for. The Raiders, they got Jimmy G at quarterback, the guy who just finally got cleared to get off waivers, and he will be their starting quarterback for the year. Will he be an upgrade on Derek Carr? I don't say it. I really don't. I think with uh, Devontae Adams and how Jimmy Garoppolo is pretty much ran, like he was a perfect fit for the Kyle Shanahan offense. He'd probably be a perfect fit for like a Lions offense, but with how they are structured, I don't really see him being the guy to lead them to even like a playoff convention spot. Yeah, I, I see that as hard to see. So then in that world of the Raiders are looking at a 2-5 and five record going to the trade deadline, are we looking at a Devontae Adams trade this year? 
I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed of it. I think Devontae Adams. I, I obviously don't know how he's feeling, but I wouldn't be happy if I was in that situation. I mean, the only reason you kind of came was, you know, again, you're from that area, and then also um, your best friend's quarterback, which he got shipped off. And so it's a real tough situation. Devontae's part probably should have stayed in Green Bay, but who knows? Yeah, I, it's a hard it's a hard one to tell on, but you're right. That was basically the only reason he came and signed that big long-term contract was because Derek Carr was there, and Derek Carr and him played college together and were best buds. So I... I would be kind of surprised if he's completely okay and on board with this. Um, yeah. Whether he ends up asking for a trade or not, that is a, hundred, just a very different schedule and a very different idea. Yeah. But see to that, and then you see the, and then wouldn't be surprised if Josh McDaniels gets fired anytime soon. That is true as well. The Chargers moving on to that nice little bit of interestingness. Will J.C. Jackson bounce back? They paid him a very large lump sum of money last year. I will say I'm not holding out for it. There was a couple of things that showed me that he. He got paid off based off talent, not on work work ethic. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the type of person, I'm not going to be here to question his work ethic. Um, there have just been multiple reports and multiple stories that have come out that have questioned his work ethic. Um, Rob Nikovich, his old teammate, at one point came on a podcast and was questioning the contract. And a few other players from former New England kind of looked at that and said, I'm not sure if that's really the right thing to do. And so I, I'll be curious to see if he bounces back. I hope he does bounce back. Um, a lot of it was injury-based last year. Mm-hmm. I'm not holding my breath for it. He was famously known for having that historic year with the Patriots of having a career high in interceptions, which at that time, it's mainly because they had Stephon Gilmore at that time. And so, you know, you're cornerback two, and you're already and you're pretty much like an all-pro, not an all-pro, but like a friggin' pro bowler type safety. Shoot, I mean corner. But, sorry, it's been a long day. It's been a long week. But he is a... Pro Bowl type corner as the cornerback too, so he's able, obviously able to make those plays. And going in, I don't see him as cornerback one. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if they can fill that spot. The Denver Broncos. Can Sean Payton revamp Russ? Now, can I go on a small little tangent here for just a moment? Obviously. These Denver Broncos need to figure this out this year, not because there is pressure on the Russell Wilson group to succeed. Russell Wilson needs to succeed to keep his contract, keep everything else. The fact that the Denver Broncos have now put two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and three solid key contributors into Russell Wilson and then put another first-round pick into Russell Wilson to fix him is one of the most insane ideas right now. And if it doesn't work out, this is going to get really ugly really fast. Sean Payton has all the power in that room. Sean Payton is, I, I like him as a coach. I think the way how he's kind of turned into that mentality, I don't think you should say most of the stuff he said like in front of a camera because I think that just hurts the locker room. Just keep it to yourself. Keep it to the players. But I think it will be an improvement, but I don't see him winning the division. I would be surprised if they won the division as well. And yeah. we both have winning the division, the Kansas City Chiefs. That's even after team. last night's loss, even after the Chris Jones holdout impact, even with the Travis Kelsey injury right now, I would still pick them to win yep. this division. If you have Mahomes and Andy Reid, you're going to be the favorite. Yep, and they should be for an outright reason. Moving on, we're moving to the NFC West. Seattle Seahawks, this is who I have winning the division. So there's two reasons I have this. Number one, I believe in the Geno Smith that we saw last year. I think that he's a legit quarterback. I think that he made legit big throws throughout multiple games. There was one that he had where he had Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf running basically right next to each other. Mm-hmm. And he had about probably a yard, a square yard to throw that ball into. And he put it so perfectly. I've 
there's a lot of quarterbacks I could never imagine making that throw. A lot of guys I would never want to try and make that throw. And he was legit with it. And part of the reason I think it's so real is because they keep putting weapons around him. They keep adding pieces around him, and I think they're going to continue to get better. I think he's going to be a better player this year than Brock Purdy. That's why I'm taking the Seahawks to win over the 49ers in this division. I'm a fan of Seattle, and I love what they're doing. I also believe in the Geno Smith run, especially with having uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba as your wide receiver three. I think that's going to be really good, especially with the development from Lockett and TK Metcalf. I, I'm just going to say right now, I have the 49ers winning the division solely because I know with the Nick Bosa contract that just came out and other things, if they were to win, it'd be this year. I think after this year, once they start getting into cap trouble, then we're going to start seeing a little decline in the process of the 49ers kind of losing that Super Bowl contending spot. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and just move the Cardinals and the Rams out of the way. The Cardinals, they're, they're bad. Cardinals they're trying suck. to lose. They, yeah. In our notes here, it says they suck, period. Josh Dobbs is the starter. Um, for the Rams, can their top-tier talent carry them? I don't think so. I yeah. think they're running out of top-tier talent, and they are probably going to have to sell them off. Mm-hmm. Going back to the Niners versus Seahawks. Which has always been great games. Always. They will always be good games between those two. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time feeling really good about the quarterback room and Kyle Shanahan's offense and 49ers. I like Kyle Shanahan. I like how he runs his offense. I know he's a wicked, wicked smart offensive coordinator. When in the last three years has that offensive quarterback room been consistent or consistently healthy? That is true. I uh, said in the last three years? In the last three years. I mean, 2020, they did go to the Super Bowl that year. They did. They had Jimmy G who was playing well that year. 21, uh, I believe that was the year they beat Green Bay? Or was that the year... That was two years ago. Two years so, yeah, ago. Correct. So, yeah, they beat Green Bay. And then last year they went on to take and they beat the Cowboys. They went to the Cowboys and then Brock Purdy was hurt and Christian McCaffrey had to play quarterback. Yep. I I don't know, man. I have a feeling that there's going to be some regression from the 49ers defense, not in the sole fact that they or got any worse. I just think that it's hard to be the, the best defense in the league two years in a row. I think, I do agree. I think it's going to take a little dip, but I think with players, I, I'm, I'm going to butcher the same. Ufanga, the safety. Telenoa Ufanga. Ufanga. My favorite name in the entire NFL. Great. Better than Palomalu. Palomalu. <laughs> Better oh, than goodness. Palomalu. <laughs> but going into it, he's going to have a great year. I think talent-wise, you have the best linebacker uh, with Fred Warner. You have Nick Bosa, who's now happy with his contract. I think, again, I'll say this Again, if they were to win, not win at all, but to win the division, it'd be this year. All right. Agree to disagree on that one. Moving on to the AFC South, we have the Tennessee Titans. Who is their quarterback right now? They have three dudes in the room, all of which have some viable reason to say that I'm the starter. Mm -hmm. Um, You have Ryan Tannehill, who has been the starter the last few years. You have Malik Willis, who was drafted in the third round last year, who did get some starts last year, and he looked okay. He looked very, very raw, kind of like everybody thought he would. And then you drafted Will Levis in the second round this year. So between those three, who's going to be your guy? And the one that I put on here, who's going to be the playmaker outside of the offense for Derrick Henry? I know you added on DeAndre Hopkins. I'm going to be really curious to see his production in this offense. This was originally going to be my pick, but it's solely because of the quarterbacks. I had that DeAndre Hopkins is going to kind of take the pressure off Traylon Burks, and he will progress into that way into the wide receiver two spot, but solely because of the quarterbacks and the dysfunction of this team with the offensive side, I don't see it winning. I don't see him winning it. Mike Vrabel's a great head coach. I just, it's hard for a team to get past 
not knowing who your your quarterback is. Even if he's not a star, just not even knowing who your number one guy is, that becomes really hard really quickly. I believe Tannehill is starting this week. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Moving on to the Indianapolis Colts. you got the AR-15 experience, which I am more than excited for. Me too. I think that this dude is going to be an athletic freak. We already know that about him. I will be really curious to see if he can read defenses. I, Again, I just really want to see it. Um, Shane Steichen is their new head coach there. I like him more than I like the Jeff or the Gannon hire in Arizona. If you're going to hire a, co- a coordinator, so I don't know. I think the Colts could be interesting. Do I think they're going to be good this year? No. No. I don't think they're going to be overly amazing in anything. Like they don't have that great of a receiver room. Jonathan Taylor's holding out for a lot of time. Their offensive line is still pretty shakily outside of Quentin Nelson. Their defense has a lot of players, but is it an actual great defense? Just a lot of question marks there. I think they're going to be fun to watch. I couldn't agree with you more on that statement. The Texans. I have a question mark on here as a sleeper team for two reasons. Number one, I really like the Nico Ryan's hire for two reasons. I think he is well-versed in their culture there and what they want to build. He was there when they were actually a decent team. And number two, I think just having some stability in the room on defense is going to be so nice for a team that's been so bad for so long. Once you get to a certain level of losing in any professional sport, I feel like your culture just becomes losing. And you need somebody that is going to say, here's the floor now. We're raising the floor of what our team's going to be week in and week out. Brian Dable is a perfect example of this with the New York Giants last year. We didn't know if the New York Giants were going to be good, bad, and different. But by week three, we knew their offense is going to put up points with Brian Dable. They have something to fall back on. They have something to be good at. I hope that's the same for D'Amico Ryans, especially since they don't have their first-round pick this year. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more with that one. Uh, the Texans are... Texans are an interesting group. I like the receiving group with Nico Collins and Mechie. Um, but other than that, I really I don't see it as a sleeper team. I think it's going to be kind of in the average, mainly because with Ohio State quarterbacks, it kind of takes some time for them to develop. And we've kind of saw that through the preseason. CJ Stroud did not look the greatest. Yeah, it was a rough start, too. And then finally, the team that we both had winning the division, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Believing in Trevor Lawrence, we're all hopping on the hype train. Mm-hmm. Yes? Yes. Okay. Yes. We're moving, on the, we're moving on that. Moving on. Long luscious hair. All right. Mm-hmm. Moving on. NFC South. We have the Carolina Panthers with the new number one overall pick, Bryce Young, starting. They have no first-round pick next year. And who in God's name is catching passes from that number one overall quarterback? Pretty much Adam Thielen and Mingo. Yeah. I'll be curious to see how Jonathan Mingo plays. I don't know what type of player he is, and he's hyped up to be something decent. I think Bryce Young, he will have his flashes, and obviously just with the rookie quarterback, he's not going to have the stellar year that all rookie quarterbacks seem to have. But I do think he will be probably one of the better quarterbacks going in this, maybe, probably, I assume, number one. Mm-hmm. But it's just to the win the division. No, not yet. Guy, you need a few more years with that one. Yeah, I'll be curious on that division. This division is a very odd one, too. It's just yeah. kind of all up in the air. The Falcons, B. John Robinson show. I mean, for God's sakes, he's still lifts third on their depth chart right now yeah. for week one, which I I don't believe it for a second, but at the same time, that would be so concerning if I spent a number eight overall pick on a guy that's not going to get the predominant amount of carries in my offense. Uh, Desmond Ritter is the full-time starter now. What do you think about Desmond Ritter as a player? I mean, I don't mind him. It's just, you know, we haven't really seen much from him going in from last year, so it's going to be really interesting to see the development and the uh, what kind of changes he's made during that because it was kind of shaky but you know so are the Falcons for sure for sure the Buccaneers without Tom Brady for the first time in three years it's the Baker Mayfield show finally this originally on on paper this was my pick uh going into the offseason not not whenever we decided to 
talk about this topic. But with how it's been, this is an aging team. Baker Mayfield hasn't really looked the greatest, and it's been on kind of a not consistent. And so I see him. I wouldn't be surprised if they go second, just of how poorly this division is. Yeah. But Mike Evans is looking, this is looking for him to be his last year. Baker Mayfield, I'm not really sure if this is just a one-year trial. And that defense, again, is also aging. Yeah, I, I'll be really curious to see. I think for the first time, maybe even ever, this could be a trade deadline in the NFL that massive pieces get moved. I wouldn't if the surprised. Buccaneers are bad, if the Rams are bad, these top-tier players are going to start going for first-round picks because they are needed. And I, I would be 100% in with it with teams. If I'm a team and I needed a wide receiver, Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, I would love to have one of those guys on my team. For sure. If I need a defensive lineman, I mean, Aaron Donald is the staple of that. So I'll be really curious to see once we get around week seven, week eight, mm-hmm. if any of those start to pick up. And finally, we both had winning this division, Derek Saints. Carr and the New Orleans Saints. Two things about that. Number one, they have a really easy schedule. Really have you seen the list of the quarterbacks they play this year? I probably have. but I think the best that they play in the entire season is Trevor Lawrence one time at home. That is the best quarterback that they played this season. That is wild. They have a really, really, really easy schedule in comparison to a lot of teams. The one thing that concerns me is the Alvin Kamara suspension because they need him in that offense to work well. They're going to get Michael Thomas back for the first time in Trevor. Well, I mean, knock on wood. You may not (laughs) hear that, but, I mean, Michael Thomas, for God's sakes, please get on the football field. Please. Alex Smith completely combusted his leg and still returned in a faster amount of time than you did to get to the NFL. We I, made a podcast before Michael Thomas got in the field. Yeah, we didn't know each other for two years before you were not in the before you got hurt and then met each other, started a podcast and are now talking about you being hurt before this <laughs> happened. So like, come on, let's speed it up. Please. Alright, moving on to the next division. And it, or AFC North, excuse me. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers. Can he pick an improvement? We kind of talked about that a little bit earlier when we were previewing that game. And can they keep a top 10 defense? Like I talked about before, it is hard to maintain a top 10 defense. Mike Tomlin's been really good at that over the last few years. Do you think they will? This, I don't believe so. This is a really aging defense again, like I said, with the Bucks, It's going to be with people like Cameron Hayward and them staying on there. You do get T.J. Watt, which is probably on the revenge season because he didn't get the record. But so I this could be a top ten for like a one to two more years, and then this is going to be the decline. But we're talking about this year. Absolutely. I do believe it will be a top ten defense, but it ain't there yet. It's right. going to be another eight and nine year. I hear you. All right, so we're Somehow moving on to Cleveland Browns. This is the first full offseason for Deshaun Watson and this new look Cleveland Browns offense. There is no longer a Kareem Hunt in the backfield to share with Nick Chubb. They had Elijah Moore in the offseason. Does this team make the playoffs, yes or no? They don't have to win the division. They this, just need to make the playoffs. This division is hard because Ravens finally get good momentum with Lamar coming back, uh, fully happy with his contract to get Odell. Bengals always have always, I keep saying always, they always are the favorite going into it. And this is interesting with Watson. But I don't think it is. I think they're going to miss Kareem Hunt, and I think they won't make the playoffs. All right. Heard it here first. Moving on to the third-place team in this division. I'm going to say this now so I can throw the knife in there. Cincinnati Bengals. Wow. Can they get back to the promised land, and will Joe Burrow's injury play a big role? Now, we know at this point that Joe Burrow will be starting week one. I still don't buy that he's fully healthy, and I still don't buy that this team is going to be back enough to be a full, complete team. Now, I know that they've never really been a full, complete team. Their offensive line has always had a bunch of issues. Their defense has been good, but never great. I just see it kind of 
taking a step back this year. I think they're probably one of the top wild card teams, but I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens to win this division. I got Bengals winning the division. That was my pick. It's just if you have Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, they're going to light up the field without a doubt. Yeah, I, I'll i be really curious. And then the Baltimore Ravens, finally, they had probably the biggest offseason in this division, adding Odell Beckham Jr., changing their offensive coordinator to Todd Munkin, and adding Zay Flowers, adding all of these offensive pieces, paying Lamar finally, that finally got taken care of and was all taken care of now. Um, I'll be really curious to see how this offense has evolved. Are they going to become more of a 50-50 passing running offense? Are they going to stay at more of a 65-35 to split with running the ball? I'll be curious to see what they do with it. I just think that, number one, Todd Munkin's a great offensive coordinator. I, I believe in that defense. I believe in John Harbaugh. I think that Odell's going to make a pretty decent difference. And my sleeper player of the entire season is Zay Flowers. Okay. I think Zay Flowers, I will say, actually, you know what? Sure. I'll say it out loud right now. I believe that Zay Flowers will win the offensive rookie of the year. I had them second behind Gibbs. Okay, fair enough. That's fair a good enough. call for it. I so that's that's my reasoning on thinking the Ravens. Now, question for you: Do you believe that the Baltimore Ravens can and will make the playoffs? I do believe they'll make the playoffs. Okay, so we're not that far off. We're not that our, far off. It's that just if they go back the same, like just running your throat out all throughout the game. I don't think I'm not a fan of that offense with like teams like Tennessee and Baltimore. And so when I look at it, it's just if you're relying on Odell, who which I love Odell with a passion. But if you're relying him as the wide receiver one and then Zay Flowers, I would I would take Jamar Chase and T. Higgins over that. Okay. I mean, it'll be really curious to see. I think Todd Munkin's going to make a massive difference. And, again, that's kind of what I'm banking on here when I put the name in there. Mm-hmm. And, again, I just I look at that Bengals team, and I, I get really concerned for Joe Burrow's health, and I get really concerned on how that defense is not and how that defense is going to continue to hold up. For sure. NFC North. NFC North, baby. We got the Chicago Bears. Justin Fields finally has his wide receiver number one in DJ Moore. I need you to give me an over or an under on this. Will DJ Moore have 1,200 yards this year? Under. Under. And will he have 10 touchdowns? Over. Okay. So we're looking at about 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns. It's a pretty good year for Justin this was one of the harder divisions that I had to think of. This is a tough one. This There's a, a tough lot one. up in the air right now. and I think you can exclude the Bears out of this one, but these three, which I'm saying with the Vikings, Lions, Packers, it was a flip-flop whenever it I was is, thinking of this. Yeah, it is hard for any of us to, especially after last night, it is weird that neither one of us have the Lions winning this division. But we might as well move on to them now. The Lions have probably the most expectations since uh, Calvin Johnson was there and Matt Stafford were there. They have a real defense. They have a real head coach. We saw it last night on Thursday Night Football. They are a good football team. The real question that comes to mind with this team is when things start to get tough and the uh, the defense is starting to lose some pieces and everything like that, do they have the depth to keep up? Do they have the pieces? Because they're a really talented team, but I worry about the depth of that team. Defense isn't what I'm worried about. It's Jared Goff, honestly. I think going into it, um, if they play, if the Lions played how they did in the first half, which I mean they played well, but Jared Goff is just a play action type man. He relies on his run game, but when that run game stops and they expect him to throw the ball a lot more, you don't really see much. I mean, we saw with Los Angeles had the best running back with Todd Gurley. He had Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and all of them. They were successful. Took Todd Gurley out of the game, couldn't score a single point. Yeah, against the I, Patriots. Actually, I think they scored three. I'll be very curious. They did score three. So, Thank you, local Patriots fan, for reminding us all that Tom Brady won another Super Bowl. What can I say? All righty. So, I want to talk about your winner first before we get into mine. The Minnesota Vikings. 
Will Alexander Madison be a good replacement for Dalvin Cook, in your opinion? Uh, it's not going to be the same, but I think he's going to be serviceable. Okay. Servable. <laughs> and then Jordan Addison as their wide receiver too, the rookie out of USC. Do you believe in him stepping up and taking that wide receiver two role? Because if they don't have that, if he doesn't step up and be that number wide receiver number two, they don't have a guy like that. I think with Justin Jefferson being double teamed, because with Adam Thielen being on, you can focus solely on Justin Jefferson. I think Addison's going to have a huge part in that. I don't think he's going to have a bigger impact than, say, Flowers or a better season, but I think it will help JJ this a lot. The, and the Vikings were my pick solely because, kind of like with the 49ers, if they were to win the division, it'd be this year before I believe things start kind of regressing a little bit. They start falling apart. I okay. wanted to pick Green Bay. I really wanted to, but I think they're kind of a one trade away type or one more year and then you. they get Hey, man, that's who I picked. You don't have to sell me on them at all. I think the Packers this year are sneaky underrated in a lot of ways. I that believe that, That roster is really good. That roster is really good top to bottom. Now, of course, you lost Aaron Rodgers. That's a very big difference. Here's my point in all this. Aaron Rodgers was not a good statistical quarterback last year. He just wasn't. That's a, a fact. He was not a good statistical quarterback last year. The team struggled on offense. They still were incredibly close to being a wildcard team and making it in the playoffs. If this year Matt LaFleur is able to coach the offense he wants to, they run the ball 60-40, they're able to throw and play action, a lot of the things we were just talking about with Kirk Cousins, make the life easy on Jordan Love, right? I think that this team is talented enough to win the division, and I believe that this team is talented enough to even be close to a first-round bye. I wouldn't be surprised if they won the division. Yeah. We're on kind of the same page. It's just I'm not with them yet. Yeah, I think we, on a lot of these, I think we're pretty close on who we think. I think mm -hmm. we think both of these teams are going to make the playoffs. It's just who's going to win those big impact games. Yeah. Moving on, we got the final two divisions, and these are my two favorite divisions in the entire NFL to try and predict this year, and they both happen to be in the East. We'll start with the AFC East. We have the Dolphins looking at Tua and his injury cases and how they're going to move forward with that. I think that the ad of, what is their defensive coordinator? Vic Fangio's name is a great hire. I think he's a phenomenal DC. I, it really just comes down to Tua. Can Tua stay healthy? Can Tua be that guy? That's why in our notes earlier it just says Tua. Nope, yep, that's all that's there. Is can he stay healthy? Can he play well? Because when he played well last year and he was healthy, they were 6-1. and one. When he wasn't playing on the field, they were a badly under 500 team. It was that massive of a difference. Um, for everybody that are listening, Tua will never have the physical traits of Josh Allen. He will never wow you like Lamar Jackson when he runs. But I promise you that dude is a top 10 quarterback when he plays because of how accurate and how smart that player is. He knows what he's doing. He knows his offense. He knows where to go. Pros of being a left-handed quarterback. That too. Patriots, can they get to the wild card but choke? Thank you to our local Patriots fan on that one. And does Mac Jones, now, excuse me, does Mac Jones need to perform this year or could he lose his job? Now I'll let you kind of talk about this a little bit more since you're a little closer to the subject. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the past, since 2020, it's always been, Start off hot, look good, talks about the wild card, and we get smacked by Buffalo. One of the two. And going into it, you know, you do get a new OC. You finally get an offense coordinator with Bill O'Brien, which I think will help. But Mac Jones, just I don't believe the weapons he has around them aren't there. He's got a bunch of wide receiver twos playing the wide receiver one position. Yep. You have Devontae Parker, Juju Smith, all great when they're a wide receiver two. Hunter Henry types and tight end. Hunter Henry, he's not – he's – not that bad. I think, I, I believe it was 2020, he led the team in touchdowns. Actually, no, it was, it was 21 when he did. Okay. 
because 2020, that's when we had David Asanya and some, I don't even remember his name because he didn't get on the field much. Yeah. But this just isn't their year at the moment. I think it's, again, I'm gonna, gonna, it's going to be a recurring theme. They're one trade away from making an impact in the NFL when it comes to that. Hey, maybe that trade is a cough, cough, Mike Evans like we were talking about before. Maybe nice. those guys are starting to get there. I mean, I don't even want to talk about trading receivers. It seems like every year it's like, oh, yeah, the Patriots are number one when it comes to getting this big-time receiver. Oh, God, yeah. I Never have. The amount of Photoshop jersey swaps I've seen of, like, Odell, Mike Evans of them in a Patriots jersey just pisses me off. You just gotta, you gotta see it first before you believe it. All right, fair enough, fair enough. All right, we're moving on to the Buffalo Bills. I'm gonna get back into our hypothetical line here real quick. We are playing in week 15. Josh Allen is currently the leading rusher on the Buffalo Bills. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Bad thing. Okay, and then number two, what about this year makes you believe that things will change in a positive that way? So I understand that they were really good in the regular season for that. I think what's gonna become the kryptonite for this team is a Teams kind of figure that out. Mm-hmm. They don't run the ball a lot. They don't have a lot of options for that. Can they don't have they? a lot of options, and your star wide receiver is currently throwing a tantrum. Yeah, that's the other big piece of information there. So, in your opinion, then, do you see a team like Buffalo being able to pull out the division? I can see them pulling out the division, but not Super Bowl. Okay. And those are two different things. Okay. I will say, in my predictions right now, I have the Buffalo Bills being the number one seed in the AFC. For a couple of reasons. Number one, there are teams that each and every year end up becoming better and better, and there are teams that are kind of flip flop. So we talk about like teams like the mid 2010s Carolina Panthers. One year they're 11 and five. One year they're five and 11. Buffalo has been consistent, and they've added consistently good players. I think that the addition of Damian Harris is going to be massive. You as a Patriots fan knows that he's a good running back. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a massive piece. Devin Singletary is still there. I like Dalton Kincaid still there. The defense has to show up, and they have to have smart play calling. I think if Sean McDermott is their DC, they're going to be okay. I, I'm a little worried that they don't have a true defensive coordinator, but I think that Sean McDermott's a good defensive-minded coach. I think they're going to win – or not win the AFC, excuse me. I think they're going to get a first-round buy in the AFC. I wouldn't be surprised. Now on to the Jets. I, it was a flip-flop between the Jets and the Bills, obviously. There was like literally like five minutes. I'm like, yeah, I'm going with the Bills, and then I'm like, no, oh, I don't know. It's just Jets. I see. I don't. I just can't imagine Aaron Rodgers being like the third best in the division because I had originally I had Buffalo, um, Miami, and the Jets. I just can't see Aaron Rodgers doing that. I think he can not going run the table. I'm gonna. I love saying that they're gonna run the table. You know, you get Garrett Wilson. You get. He's got his buddy, Randall Cobb. You got arguably best corner, top three corner with Sauce Gardner. I can see him winning a division, but if Buffalo would win, I wouldn't be surprised. Fair. I think this Monday Night Football game is going to be phenomenal. It's going to be the real test. It's going to be a real test to see kind of who is real and who is not. (laughs) Moving on finally to our last division, we have the NFC East. We have the Dallas Cowboys who... I'm going to be honest with you. This is the most I need to see it to believe it team in the NFL right now for me. You win a playoff game. I like I. Please. You will probably win ten games this year. You will probably be a wild card team. I don't have you winning the division, but win a playoff game. Like it's it doesn't matter. You can go nine and eight. If you make the playoffs, you better win that playoff game because it. Mike McCarthy's job is on the line this year. I've i there has to be a hot seat there. There's got to be something going yeah. on. I did like the Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cook signing, but. 
I really don't see him winning the division again. Just with how stacked this division is. Who, in your opinion, gives you gives them a better chance to win in the later parts of the season? Dak Prescott, Trey Lance. Prescott. Okay. I, At the moment. That was the. I figured that was the answer to it, but I was curious. I wanted to see what you thought about our boy Trey Lance. I love Trey Lance, but I I have to see it. I have yeah. to see him actually on the he's, field. He's. I mean, he's the perfect embodiment of the Dallas Cowboys. I got to yeah. see it to believe it. Mm-hmm. You got all this talent. You got all these pieces. You got all these names. I got to see it to believe it. Got to see it. The Washington Commanders hiring Eric Bieniemy and Sam Howell being the first time starting quarterback there. The Chase Young trade rumors are also flying around right now. What do you kind of think of this team? I think this is one of the biggest question marks I have in the NFL. It's always been the biggest question mark when going into the NFL. It's always been Washington. You never know what they're going to do. That They could win the division one year or they can just absolutely stink. Like I can't tell with this team. That's why I didn't even consider them because I don't know with them. They're just a really weird team. Yeah, I... I like Sam Howell when he came out of college. I think the enemy is a good offensive coordinator. I'll be curious to see how much of it was him and how much of it was Andy Reid. I don't know, man. I think this team, yeah, you're right. Like I, I could see them going 12-5 and five. in a realistic world. I can see that defense being so good that they're hard to stop, they're hard to play. Terry McLaurin's a great receiver. The offense is clicking on all cylinders. Brian Robinson's a good player. And then I can see a world where they have the number one overall pick and they're drafting Caleb Williams next year. Like it's such an it's in between. A, There's yeah. such an unknown with Sam. It's Howell. like this whole division is just full on flip a coin, and I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the Super Bowl, Super Bowl hangover, Philadelphia Eagles. Your pick to win the division. I picked the Eagles to win the division solely because, again, this is if this was the year, it'd be this year because they have all the returning pieces. They get some signings. They did lose C.J. Gardner-Johnson, which that we saw how much of an impact he made. But I mainly picked the Eagles because of this prediction I am making right now. The Philadelphia Eagles are trading for Jonathan Taylor. Wow. They're going to get Jonathan Taylor in the midseason. Let me think about this for just a sec. And they're going to create wow. the Taylor Swift running back duo. Ah, God. <laughs> I knew there was something more to it. I was, I was thinking of this too legitimately. I, honestly, I hope they do because that would be a terrifying offense. But so terrifying! Oh my God, the Taylor Swift, the Taylor Swift backfield. She, I mean, she has to go to the game at that. Point, She's right? got it. She that's has like, to wear a Jason Kelsey jersey at that point. You do have a regression. I think uh, Jason Kelsey is on the verge of. He's been thinking about retirement. Yeah, he's getting close. He's getting real close, and I think as soon as he leaves, as soon as other people leave, then we're gonna have to do a big old question mark. But I wouldn't be surprised if this team won again because of just how good they are. Yeah, I mean, it's a really talented team. Now, I have to somehow tell you this without being rude to Daniel Jones. I need to figure out a way to do this. The Giants are going to win the division. I know it's hard. (laughs) The Giants are going to win this division, and it's not going to be because of Daniel Jones fully. Now, of course, he has to play well. He has to be a good player. I think they built in a lot of really good safety blankets for him. Saquon Barkley, Darren Waller, Sterling Shepard, Jalen Hyatt's a good deep threat type of guy. I love my I Hyatt. I think this offense is going to be even more improved than it was last year. I think I Brian Dable is a great offensive coordinator and head coach. And the thing that I'm banking on here is their defense because there's a couple of things that I'm looking for. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is a freak, and I think that dude will take a breakout this year to be one of the top addressers in the league. It, He's too physically gifted and too talented, smart to not be in that category. He's too. He's there's too much going right for that guy for him not to figure this out eventually. 
The other thing there is that the offensive line is going to be massively improved. I think a second-year Evan Neal is going to be massively improved. Andrew Thomas has already proved he's one of the best left tackles in the league. They have all of the non-flashy things figured out. It's just all going to rely on Daniel Jones. Yep. And in a lot of ways, I'm kind of okay with that in this offense. With, with Brian Dable being the offensive coordinator, if Daniel Jones is competent, I have a really good confidence in this team putting up around 29, 30 points a game. I want to be, I want to be opposed to it. It's just I don't think I don't think it's that year for them yet. Fair enough. Next, all right. Next year, maybe. So, real quick before we all wrap up here and get our get on our way, I need your two number one seeds, one from the NFC and one from the AFC. And I need your MVP pick. Okay. NFC number one. So you need my AFC one and NFC one? Correct. Okay. NFC, I am going to go with the 49ers. That's a good pick. I'm going with 49ers. Pick. I am going to go with the New Orleans Saints. That schedule is so easy. That team is really good. They're going to figure it out. Do you, okay, so, okay. So let me let me rephrase. Let me rephrase what you're saying here. Okay. Do you think this is going to be like Pittsburgh, where they go undefeated and just have an easy schedule? Oh, 100. percent Okay. Be. Okay. I was going to say 100. It could be. I don't know how legit the Saints are just yet. I think they're going to win a ton okay. of football games. I think they're well coached. I think they can be the one seed. Okay, I was going to say. Now for your AFC team. I said the Bills earlier. You did. And I think I'm going to stick with it. You're going to stick with the Bills. I think that the AFC North is too hard. They're going to beat up on each other. I think the Chiefs had a lot of issues this year, like we saw last night, that are going to kind of hinder them. And I think the AFC South, I think Jags could even be the two seed, but I think they'll probably take a little bit more time to, to get going. Be good. I think the Bills will be the one seed. I know I said the Jets were making, we're going to win the division. But I agree with you. I'm going with the Bills. I, I, have, I have switched. I just can't. I convinced him. He convinced me. I it's It was always a flip-flop between them two. It's just I like what Buffalo's doing. I think the DeMar Hamlin effect is going to also pursue them into that number one spot. Because I don't see I was going to say Chiefs, but I think I wouldn't be – they're going to take a dip, I believe, with yeah. how that roster well, is looking. I'll be curious to see on that one. And then, all right, finally, I need your MVP pick. Need my MVP. I am going to go with I'm trying to think of this because this is really hard. This is a hard one. This is a, this is a big one. This is a big one. I, whew, I want to go. I want to go with Lamar. It's a really good. Pick. I want to go with Lamar. It's a really good pick. I like that pick. I think it's hard for him to stay healthy for a full season, but if he yeah. does, I think he could do it for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Lamar or Josh Allen. Okay. My answer, not super off the board, but not usually talked about in full MVP conversations, Justin Herbert will be your 2023 MVP. That's not bad. For a couple of reasons. Number one, watching last night's game. I still have the Chiefs winning the division, but I feel a lot less confident in it than I did yesterday. Number two, I think that offense is going to be really, really good. And Justin Herbert's going to be the leader of it, and he's going to be the, the face of it. And number three, I think that if they can just put this all together, they have a real chance to be the best team in this division. I mean, they've always been able to have that roster for them. I mean, there was that one time they were literally the number one offense and number, number one, one defense. defense. And missed the playoffs because special teams. They have the Chargers will charger. Charger, I'm, I'm going to bet for the first time in my life against the Chargers chargering, and I'm going to say that Justin Herbert wins the MVP. That's an interesting pick. Alrighty, well, I think that kind of wraps it up for us, man. I think it does. I think this has been a good Friday episode. Thank you guys again so much for listening if you are here. 
Again, if you want to find any of our other content or other things that we're making through here, we can go ahead and look at the Ocast on Spotify or on Apple Music. Or again, you can just find us on the Lace Em Up podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, and I believe we'll try and get some SoundCloud in there at some point. We, we can we can gabble. We'll dabble. With we'll it. dabble with we'll that. We'll figure it out. But thank you guys again so much for listening. This has been the Lace Em Up podcast. See ya. See ya.